It's interesting how there are little pieces of life and pieces of sermons at times that, well, the Scripture speaks about us being taught and teaching line upon line and precept upon precept. And it was a time when Dr. Paisley, his name and I guess history is getting further back now. Some of our younger people may not recall and he's not mentioned as often, but one obviously used in the founding of our denomination back in Northern Ireland more than half century ago. Tempted to just even mention thoughts there. Many things that were occurring in the world and in their province that, well, called for the proclamation of truth within the church and even in their culture. And he was raised up to speak to really both of those needs. He was invited to come after suffering some bit for his faithfulness to truth and an imprisonment there in Northern Ireland that it got the attention of Dr. Jones Jr. and he began to have him come and preach for our Bible conferences every year. He was about the only one I've ever heard that could fill up the 6,500-seat amphitorium and really didn't need the amplification. He preached mightily many times. I can remember tidbits of some of the sermons themselves. But one phrase in particular that stuck with me and I want to put before you this evening as we look at some Scriptures. He says, Peace is one of the first things that God gives to those who trust in Him. And it is one of the first things He rebukes in those who trust in anything else. And I want to bring together some portions of Scripture this evening culminating in the one that is found in that Christmas nativity narrative. But different perspectives on this idea of peace. Not need to turn, but they're familiar words in the prophecy of Jeremiah chapter 6. And we read in verse 14 of the prophet through, or the Lord through his prophet, condemning false prophets. And we hear these words They have healed also the hurt of the daughter of my people slightly, saying, Peace, peace when there is no peace. And the first aspect in these key texts I want to bring to you is what I'll call the pronouncement of peace. I want to give some dictionary definitions of the words I'll use this evening. A pronouncement, one of the definitions in the dictionary is this, a formal declaration of opinion. Well, I think that fits this pronouncement of the prophets quite well. These were prophets unlike Jeremiah who were not sent by the Lord. And at the very point in Israel's history when, of course, Jeremiah's great ministry was to call them to repentance and warn them after really the centuries of long-suffering that the chastening hand of God was to come upon their nation. There was no peace for them. But the false prophets said there was. The false prophets said, don't listen to Jeremiah. 
He's a traitor. God's hand is with us, and God will never let Jerusalem, the place of His temple, be destroyed. Jeremiah had to remind them at one point, very shortly after our reading, of the place where the tabernacle had dwelt before the temple was built, Shiloh. And God allowed the Philistines to take that city. God allowed the Philistines to take the very symbol and emblem of His presence, the Ark of the Covenant. But these false prophets cry peace when there was no peace. And we find that really throughout Scripture. We find it throughout history. It is said of those in the last days, 1 Thessalonians, those that are approaching, and even in the midst of those days of tribulation, when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them. Noah's generation... In those decades of his preaching prior to the flood, what was it said of them? The word isn't used, but as our Lord reminds us of the characteristics of that generation, they were marrying and giving in marriage. It's always really smitten me to think that of all the sins and the violence that filled the earth when our Lord speaks of that generation paralleling what it would be like in the time before His second coming, that it's this that He singles out. They were saying, they were marrying, giving in marriage. They weren't paying attention to the warnings of Noah. They weren't paying attention to the Word of God. Life goes on. There's peace. How often... These that, well, as we've been reading in Romans, that suppress the truth. They don't understand that for those outside of Christ, for those that are still in their sins, for those even in the temporal circumstances of Noah's day and Jeremiah's day, to hold on to a hope, a false hope of peace when there is no peace. As Isaiah's refrain has it, there's no peace, saith my God, to the wicked. What a fearful prospect. And how many in our own day holding on to false hopes we began to look at in Romans 2 today. Hear this pronouncement of peace. When there is no peace, this is a fearful delusion. But there's another portion in which we find a a key text with regard to peace. In the Gospel of Luke, chapter 12, and if you read here with me from verse 49, our Lord says, I'm come to send fire on the earth, and what will I if it already be kindled? But I have a baptism to be baptized with, and how am I straight until it be accomplished? Suppose ye that I'm come to give peace on earth? I tell you nay, but rather division. Interesting words. From here, for, for from henceforth there shall be five in one house, divided three against two and two against three. The father shall be divided against the son and the son against the father, the daughter against the mother, the mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. 
Again, some striking words, and words in some ways that we wrestle to understand. I mean, we're going to come to that culmination, the words of the angels tonight, when our Lord is born. They cry, peace on earth. And our Lord here says, think that I am come to bring peace on earth. But rather, division. Parallel account speaks of it as a sword. Not one of violence to be sure, but that dividing instrument. Can I suggest here the denouncement of peace? You have to go down a little ways. Do you young people still even use dictionaries? Do they number definitions electronically? But the fifth one, at least in my dictionary, the fifth definition of to denounce is to announce formally the, the termination of something. The denouncement of peace. Our Lord said when He came and entered into the world that there was a termination of peace. Well, He is not contradicting the angels to be sure, and we will see that, Lord willing, in a moment. But there's an aspect of peace a peace in many ways that is desirable, that common agreement, that fellowship between man and man, that our Lord came to denounce, to, to put an end to. Because as He comes, and as He presents to us Himself, His person, His work, we're, we're faced with a decision. Do we believe Him? Do we trust in what He has said? Do we rest upon what He has done? Or not? There is no peaceful middle ground, if you will. He that is not with me is against me, our Lord said. We cannot be neutral with regard to the Savior. That type of peace He came to denounce. We must confess our sins and embrace Him as He's offered in the Gospel. And if we do that, when we do that, a division appears between us and the world. A division appears between us and unbelievers. It's a division we would seek to see remedied by their coming to faith. And in the grace of God, that occurs along the way. Here, there's no peace. There's no common ground, if you will with those who will not receive His gift of life and those who do. There's a division. There's a line of demarcation among men. And it is, what will you do with Jesus? He came to bring that division course, our giant text and 
The words we've heard again this evening. Can I put to you here simply the announcement of peace? Well, there's the word of the angels. The dictionary, it's not very far to find, but its definition of announce is to give notice of the arrival. Think of the privilege. We don't know how many angels there are. How many were there. After there were some that weren't there that night. We know that a multitude of the heavenly hosts were allowed to be seen and heard. And they cried out that song. Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace. Goodwill toward men. Peace, one of the first things God gives to those that trust in Him. I know the peace of the Gospel, and we'll come to it in Romans 5. The peace with God. Perhaps Dr. Paisley's statement was leaning more toward the peace of God that passes understanding. And that calmness that we have and assurance of sins forgiven. But I just wonder, and of course this has got to be one of those where, well the answer is yes. Was it peace with God or the peace of God the angels were singing of and announcing? Well both. How can we know the peace of God without experiencing and understanding that we have peace with God? And to know peace with God and not have that overwhelm us. It's possible for us as believers to struggle. It is in many ways a common experience. We don't just see that in modern times. Think even back to Puritan days. and It's recognition even in our confessional substandards. Assurance doesn't belong to the essence of faith. There are those that are truly born again that don't have assurance, that struggle with assurance. And that's where always we're called upon to look away from self and look to Christ to understand more of what He has done. The peace that He gives, peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle says. The announcement at Christ's birth, peace, We come to experience the convicting power of the Spirit of God. When we come to realize our natural condition, our fallen condition, that we're at enmity with God, that we are under His just condemnation and wrath, that there isn't peace between us, There's a problem. There's a broken law. And there's a righteous judge. He cannot ignore our sin. To have as we have in one of those precious scriptural phrases that He has found a ransom. We read that in Corinthians today. In our opening Bible reading this morning, tremendous truth 
Christ. The Gospel of Christ. To the Jews, it's a stumbling block. They they can't grasp the self-righteous, self-justified mindset cannot grasp the simplicity and the necessity of substitutionary atonement. It's a stumbling block to them. And to the Greeks, it's foolish. To us which are saved, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Because in sending His Son, in commemorating, can we put it in this way, that miracle of all miracles. To wrestle with the doctrine, the truth of the incarnation of the Son of God, of the eternal Word, as John's prologue calls Him, made flesh. The Apostle speaks of this among the things the angels desired to look into. Because He took not on Him the nature of angels, we read. There was no substitutionary atonement for fallen angels. From all we see in Scripture, they fell individually or kept their first estate individually. But we were in Adam. We were represented by one that And in the mercy and in the promise of God, He was to send a second Adam and place in Him a people chosen in Him before the foundation of the world. The announcement of peace. You that have labored under You that are mindful that you're at enmity with God. God has sent His Son and announced peace. Never forget, I know I've shared it multiple times from this pulpit, sitting under our dear brother Dr. Barrett teaching, and he was doing a word study really on shalom. Reflected in our own city's name, as the Moravians called their town, Salem. That peace as it is put before us in Scripture is not merely the absence of hostilities. That would be wonderful enough, as it were. But the shalom, the peace of Scripture, goes beyond just the laying down of arms. It goes beyond the cessation of hostility and conflict. And it brings with it the presence of harmony, of joy, of communion. And the message of the angels is this one that we're telling you you can go to Bethlehem right now and see. Remarkably, in a stable and laying in a manger, 
It is this one that is the promise of the ages and that God has sent His Son to bring peace between sinners and Himself. When we think of the angels, when we think of those familiar words in this season, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, or peace toward men of goodwill, perhaps the better rendering. The miracle that the likes of you and me, strangers, aliens, lawbreakers, sinful rebels, can be at peace with God through this one who's come. And we remember His coming in this season. Peace. That is what belongs to God's redeemed people. Our brother will come for our final hymn.